last Sunday evening, but um, uh, Mark, I heard some great things about your sermon. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but um, just presenting righteousness in a way that some folks have never seen it or heard it before, so thank you for that. And then uh, for Matt on uh, Wednesday night, so um, I appreciate all of you letting me be away for a little while. It was nice to spend some quality and quantity time with, uh, with my family, so amen. The Lord is good. Turn with me tonight to Luke, the 19th chapter. And, and this, is, this is not in my notes, but it's in my heart. And um, sometimes I, you know, I, like, I try to spend a lot of time just thinking about the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God. And, and um, so sometimes it's hard for me to distinguish. Is it's just something that I've been thinking about, you know, just the Lord just kind of reminded me of some things, or is it something he's prompting me to, to begin with tonight? And I haven't been able to shake this, so I really feel like this is where we're to begin tonight. So I don't have slides for these verses, but um, anyway, I'll read them to you from Luke chapter 19. Um, and um, before we do that, let me just talk to you for a moment, all right? As 2018 became 2019, the Lord spoke a simple word to my heart, and um, it was one of those things where I thought it might be a New Year's type sermon, and that we would move on to some other things, but here we are, almost middle of August, and we're still in and around this one thought, this one word from the Lord. And this was the word. Some of you have heard it so many times, you can probably quote it with me. Others may be the first time you've heard it. But the Lord spoke this word to my heart. He said, my people are wanting me to do things in their lives that they have not given me the place to do. Wanting him to do things for you that you haven't given him place to do for you. He went on to say that his words can't have a place in our lives that he doesn't have and he can't have a place in your life that his words don't have. And so, you know, a lot of times we talk about how much we love Jesus, but we don't have much love for his word or, you know, how, how much Jesus means to us, but his words don't really mean much to us. Let's see that. It doesn't work that way. Nor can we run to the word of God when we're in trouble and hope to give the word of God place in our lives to do something for us make something happen in our lives and was trying to give his word a place that we haven't given to him. Now, from there, we've of late been on this subject of wisdom. And I said this morning, for those of you who were here, for those of you who were not here, that I believe wisdom is the most neglected prayer in all of Christianity. The Bible says that if we ask God for wisdom, He'll give it to us. And there's a reason why we don't ask for something. Amen. And I think those two reasons basically involve we don't ask for things we don't think we need, and we don't ask for things that we don't want. In other words, if we really, if we really recognize a need for something, we'll ask for it. Or if we really have a desire for something, we will ask for it. But if there's no desire or if we see no need, then we won't ask. So the point being, 
if wisdom is available for us if we ask, then there's got to be a reason why we're not asking. And again, either we think we don't need it, right, or we don't want it. Now, the other question we asked this morning, so we couldn't get some of this out of the way just at the beginning, just by way of review and bringing the rest of you up to speed, is the Lord asked me to ask you this. How much interest have you shown His wisdom the past seven days? How much interest have you shown His wisdom? Have you, I mean, are you interested? Are you, are you, are you going after it? Are you, are you taking the wisdom that He's already provided seriously enough to, to at least try to to look at it and, 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 and do something with it. Amen. So those are some of the questions that we've been at this morning. Now, again, by way of review, Proverbs tells us that wisdom is crying aloud in the streets, but 1 Corinthians tells us that wisdom is hidden. And so when we say that it's hidden, it's not like hidden in a dark closet somewhere or even sometimes as, as I use the example of it being something you have to dig for. But it's both 24-7 crying out to you, but also at the same time hidden. Now, I know that's a little bit hard to comprehend but one way we could understand it naturally speaking, with the natural getting us close to understanding the supernatural, is have you ever like driven by something and not seen it? I mean, it was there, you just didn't see it. You know, something important maybe that you missed. Um, you know, you, maybe you lost your keys and, and you know, they were right there on the dresser, you know, but, but you were, in, you know, so maybe in a hurry or in a rush, now you're kind of panicked and, and they're right there in front of you, but you're not seeing them. Well, the Holy Spirit just prompted me this afternoon that here's a classic example of that. So in Luke chapter 19 and verse 41, it says, Now as he drew near he saw the city and wept over it. So look at me for a moment. Let me give you a little, let me set this up for you. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem for the last time before he is crucified. And this is when people are waving the palm branches and taking off their overcoats and, you know, he's on the back of the, of the colt and, and yet we see that as he drew near to the city, he was what? He was weeping. The original language, you know, we hear weeping and we think kind of dobbing tears or something. No, he was sobbing. He was crying. And this is what he was saying. If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now... They are hidden from your eyes. Do you see that right there? They are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Now, what Jesus is foreseeing 
will take place approximately, we're going to round off the numbers here. It's going to happen in 70 A.D. This is approximately 33 A.D. So just to keep the number even, roughly 40 years in the future. He is seeing a tragedy that's going to befall Jerusalem. The Roman government is finally going to turn on them. And it's going to be wholesale slaughter. And this is what Jesus is seeing as he's riding into Jerusalem. And this is why he is weeping bitterly. This is why he is sobbing uncontrollably. This, we would, have you ever seen a child cry so hard that they're, they're almost losing their breath? This, this, is, this is the level of sorrow and grief that Jesus is experiencing as he rides into Jerusalem. Jerusalem is, is spread out in front of him, this, this beautiful city, right? But Jesus isn't seeing a beautiful city. He's seeing a city that will be destroyed in approximately 40 years. He's seeing mothers and children laying dead in the street. He, he is seeing uh, buildings literally torn down and reduced to rubble. Now, I want you to also see that it didn't have to be that way. It didn't have to turn out that way. Jesus came with wisdom. He came with truth. He came with a message that had they received it, it would have literally rewritten the future that was now awaiting them. Are you listening to me tonight? This is really important. This would have changed an outcome. Remember, wisdom is about an outcome. Wisdom is not just about knowing something or understanding something. Wisdom is taking knowledge and understanding and being able to use it to produce a result, or in this case, a different result. Jesus cried out in Jerusalem. If you've ever wondered why Jesus kept going back to the temple, they'd try to kill him one day and a few days later he would be right back down there. They would do everything they could to try to embarrass him publicly, asking him hard questions to try to make him look bad in front of the people and, and treat him just, just horribly. And yet he would be right back down there. Why? Because he's trying to deliver this message. Wisdom in the form of the Son of God is crying out in the streets, crying out in the marketplaces, crying out in the crossroads with a message that would have changed the outcome of their future their family. There's no way you can tell me this was God's will. This was something Jesus came to try to avert. He came to try to change it. But notice, it, would, it, it, was, it wasn't changed because the people wouldn't listen. They wouldn't listen. They refused knowledge. They rejected it. They gave him the hand. They had more important things to do. Who was he? He has no right to come in here and tell us these things. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And so Jesus is weeping over it as he draws near the city. And notice what he's saying. I'm going to read it to you again in verse 42. If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. So it was hidden, if you will, in plain sight, or we could say it a better way. It was hidden in plain spiritual sight, but these people were spiritually blind. They couldn't see it. They couldn't receive it. They, 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 were, they were deafened to it. They were, their hearts were calloused 
to it. And now we see that this tragedy literally is waiting for them. All right, turn with me. Some of these messages, I'm just going to be honest with you, they're, they're hard to preach. We're going to keep digging in. Are you good? Say, not me. I'm listening. I'm not, I'm, that's not me. I'm listening, right? See, that's what I'm, I want you to understand. Father's trying to say something to you tonight that will make a difference in your life 40 years from now. He's, he's trying to show you something tonight that will change the future of your family. That's the power of His wisdom. That's, that's the power of, of His truth working in your life. The power of His Word. The Holy Spirit was singing it to you through Matthew just a moment ago. His Word in your heart. Right? Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. I got this one. I'll put it on the screen. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, I feel compelled, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I, it, it. We could literally go for weeks just talking about the fear of the Lord. As I've said over and over again, I'm gonna, I'll say it again tonight. The fear of the Lord is not speaking of an emotion. It's speaking of an attitude. It's speaking of you and me giving Him the proper respect, the proper reverence, to, to the, the, the proper acknowledgement, giving Him place, the right place, the place that He deserves in our lives, the fear of the Lord. Notice that attitude of respect, that attitude of, of reverence, that attitude of, of being humble before God. This, this is the beginning of wisdom in our lives. As we, we, we compared it a, a, few, a few weeks back to, you know, the fear of the Lord becomes a runway for the plane that is the wisdom of God to land and get you off that island where nothing ever changes. Amen. But without the, the fear of the Lord... There's no place for the wisdom of God to begin or to do what only it can do in your life. There's, there's no beginning place. There's no connecting point. So wisdom is crying out at every crossroad, every entrance, every exit, in the marketplace, everywhere you go, wisdom is crying out. But for many people, they're, they're blinded, they're deafened, they don't hear or see. What will enable us to get the wisdom? What will enable us to hear? What will enable us to see? What will enable us to understand it? The fear of the Lord. In other words, the respect, the reverence, the awe, the attitude uh, towards Him that He deserves. Now, let's go back to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. It's very similar to this Proverbs 9 and 10, but Proverbs 1 and 7. And we'll look at a few here. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
Now, this word despise doesn't mean what you might think it means. Biblically speaking, the word means to look down upon. It also means to treat lightly. To not give the proper respect or place to. That's why we see it in uh, comparison to uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if the fear of the Lord is giving the Lord the proper respect, despising would be to not give Him the proper place or to not give Him the proper respect. Now, while the word despise has different meanings, to me the one that the Holy Spirit is really breathing on for us tonight is this idea of treating lightly. Treating lightly. Listen now, if, if, if you say this all the time or something like that, I'm, I'm not picking on you and I'm, I promise the Lord knows my heart. I'm not directing this at any one individual person. But I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us tonight that we need to watch our use of the word whatever. Whatever. Right? Whatever. Notice, am I the only one that, maybe I'm just sensitive to it now that the Holy Spirit's brought it to my attention. Am I the only one that's just hearing people say that more and more and more in our world today? It's, 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 and that the words that's coming out of the mouth, whatever, is an expression of an attitude of the heart. Whatever. Whatever is a word that can be used to express this looking down upon, treating lightly, not giving the proper respect or place to. You should never use whatever in relationship to someone who has authority over you. You should never use whatever in relationship to someone trying to give you instructions that will help you. And you should absolutely, positively never use the word whatever when it comes to something pertaining to your Heavenly Father or something that He has spoken into your life with your best interest in mind. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools treat wisdom and instruction lightly. They give it little to no attention. It's no big deal to them. Now, if a fool treats the wisdom of God lightly, what do you think a wise person does? We treat it with respect. We recognize the importance of it. We recognize the value of it. We recognize the worth of it of the wisdom of God, and we give it place in our lives. And listen, I, I know we use this expression a lot, give it place. You can't give something place if you're not giving it time. You can't give something place if, if you're not giving it attention. You can't give something place if you're not giving it interest. Amen? If you're not showing it some interest, paying some attention to it, devoting some of your time and, 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 and talent and, and even treasure to it. Amen? Praise God. Turn with me um, to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. You got, a, you got a minute for a few more verses? Praise God. Genesis chapter 25. And let's look at um, verse 
33 and 34. Genesis 25, 33 and 34. It says this, Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now, to give you a little background here, Jacob and Esau were twin brothers born to their father um, Isaac. And the firstborn son was given the birthright and the blessing. In other words, what Father God placed upon Abraham, it went from Abraham to Isaac, and then from Isaac to Esau. But now, for those of you who are familiar with this terminology, we don't say he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. We say he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, the birthright that came to Esau by birth order eventually became Jacob's. Oh, praise God. Let me... What happened on this day Esau had been out hunting. He, he hadn't taken any uh, game. And so he came in really hungry. Jacob was over there cooking some vegetable soup. And Esau wanted some. And, and listen, I'm not, this is what you got to understand here. And I, I don't know if we need to get into, try to get into all this tonight. Jacob, his name means supplanter. He, he, he was a deceiver. And, and he took advantage of Esau when he realized Esau was hungry and Esau wanted some soup and he said, I'll give you some soup if you give me your birthright. I mean, that's like the worst deal ever. I don't even, I don't have the words or the time to try to tell you how bad of a deal that was. But Jacob offered and Esau accepted. And notice here, the Bible says that Esau despised his birthright. It doesn't mean that he hated it. It means that he treated it lightly. He treated it as no big deal. He said basically, whatever, just give me some soup. You see the attitude there, right? Now, we're going to see later that when it came time for Isaac to die and he knew that he was at the point of death that Jacob's mother helped him trick Isaac in, into, into giving the blessing. Literally, he, he laid his hands on Jacob and passed that blessing over to him. 
And he, because he, the Bible says that uh, Esau had hairy skin. He was a, a rugged outdoorsman type of a, of a man. Jacob, not so much. And so because Isaac was elderly and his eyesight was failing and the room was dimly lit, um, Jacob wrapped his arms in animal skin and, and, and went in. And when Jacob felt of him and smelt the smell of the field, um, he asked if it was Esau and, and Jacob pretended to be Esau. And then Isaac blessed him. He, he passed that blessing, that birthright blessing over to Jacob. Well, we see later that Esau came and wanted his blessing and Jacob realized, I mean, Isaac realized that he had been deceived, but he had no blessing for Esau. Are you, are you with me? Now, you look at this on the surface and, and you see one guy who treated his birthright lightly, but then on the other hand, you've got this snake in the grass, you know, this guy who is, uh, you know, deceiving and, and tricking and being dishonest. And yet the birthright went to Jacob. Now, I know that this may be a stretch for some of you. Because I'm not trying to, uh, what, what, I'm not trying to endorse either behavior. But I believe that Jacob wound up with the birthright because he wanted it. Are you following what I'm saying here? I'm not saying what he did was right. But at least he wanted it. At least he was recognized the value of it. He recognized what it meant. It was something precious to him. It was something of worth. It was something of meaning. It was something of value to him. I'm not saying what he did to get it was right. But later we're going to see in the Scripture where the Bible says that, that God loved Jacob, but he despised Esau. You say, wait a second, that, that, that doesn't sound like God to me. Well, what you got to understand about Father God is that the level of desire that you have for the things of God, that's the level the things of God, the desire the things of God have for you. Are you following what I'm saying here? Notice, why did God despise Esau? Because Esau despised God. Because he treated the things of God lightly. And because he treated the things of God lightly, God treated him lightly. Now you say, well, wait a second. But remember, God dealt with Jacob. We, again, I'm digging a big hole here that we don't have time to really finish working on. But we see that God and Jacob are going to have a time, right? And, and amen. And, and he's going to grab hold to God and God's going to grab hold to him and some things are going to change and he's going to... He's going to leave that experience no longer Jacob. He's going to leave that experience Israel. Amen. But even when you can make a case for both of these brothers being wrong, the one who wound up with the blessing was the one who valued it. The attitude of his heart was... This is something I want. This is something that I need. And even though he went about obtaining it in a dishonest way, God recognized that Jacob treasured it when Esau really could care less 
about it based upon his actions. Okay? Now, why don't we spend all that time on this? Well, let's look at one last verse, and I know I'm out of time. Proverbs 13, 13. I'll put it up on the screen. He who despises the word will be destroyed. But he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. Amen. He who despises, remember what that word despise means. It means to treat lightly, to have a whatever attitude towards the word of God. He who despises the word will be destroyed, but he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. Let me give it to you in a couple of other translations. I like the amplified version. Whoever despises the word and counsel of God brings destruction upon himself. But he who reverently fears and respects the commandment of God is rewarded. I got one more for you. This is from the message translation. Ignore the word and suffer. Honor God's and grow rich. Amen. Ignore the word and suffer. Honor God's commands and grow rich. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, as we stand before you, we ask you, Father, to help us see the value of your wisdom. We ask you, Father, to give us the wisdom that we need to see the importance of the wisdom you've made available to us. Father, may we at least be wise enough to know that we need your wisdom. <laughs> may we be wise enough to know, Father, that wisdom is the principal thing. And in all of our getting, we're going to make sure we get wisdom from you. Father, may we never treat your wisdom lightly ever again. May we never consider it to be uh, not that big a deal ever again. Father, your words are precious. Your words are a treasure. Your words are of tremendous worth and value, Father. And may we have enough understanding and wisdom, Father, to give your words place in our lives and give you place in our lives, the place that you and your words deserve, the fear of you, the proper attitude towards you, Father, is where your wisdom can roll up its sleeves and get started at working and producing results in our lives. Forgive us for treating it lightly. Forgive us, Father, pretending and acting like it's not that big of a deal. Father, we do not want to be among those who despise your instruction, but Lord, we want to be among those who treasure it. Thank you, Father. This beautiful crowd of men and women tonight, Lord, thank you that there are still people, Lord, who, who long for you, who long for your truth. Father, who will come to church on a Sunday night. Something special, Lord, about that group that will worship you on a Sunday night. Lord, thank you for them. Your word says that you reward those who diligently seek you, Father. And I thank you for the diligence that's represented in this room tonight. And Father, I thank you that not only is the reward coming, it's coming swiftly. 
Father, I thank you in advance for breakthroughs that will come in my brothers and sisters' lives this week. Father, breakthroughs that will be so clear and so obvious that they will remember this prayer tonight and remember that that breakthrough came as a reward from you for their diligently seeking you and your wisdom tonight in this house. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thank you for being here tonight. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. Good.